0: Hi, I'm Tefera Jemian. And I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young
1: adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! This week we are pushing gears a little bit and doing another uh, roundup episode. This was something that came to us a couple of weeks ago, when uh, the world was kind of just not feeling like a good place, and it's continued to kind of do that over the past couple of weeks. And I mean, like honestly, the past like several years, and also always, but. Um... <laughs> But it's 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 felt real bleak, at least for me, and Taffer is nodding <coughs> in agreement. Yeah. Um the past the past few weeks, I mean the judicial confirmation hearings in the States and Quebec just elected a super xenophobic and racist government. And
0: we have, like, 10 years before
1: the world explodes into flames? Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got, uh, yeah. yeah, we've got, uh, like, less than 20 years until, uh, yeah, everything's gonna come crashing down, apparently, so I'm not freaking out at all about that, um, nope, not at all, um... I've gotta
0: say, I've been thinking a lot
1: about our conversation around Station 11. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, um, <coughs> and... Me. And there was just... I don't know a ton about it, but there was um, a terrible Supreme Court ruling in Canada about uh, the rights of Indigenous people, and it's just everything Um, is... There
0: was also a terrible ruling about the rights of Indigenous people in the U.S. Oh, great! uh, Just where um, they're repealing the Indian Child Welfare Act of 1978, which um, requires that Indigenous children be... uh, if at all possible, placed with indigenous families oh, uh, um, in, their, in their tribe instead of adopted into white families. So, um, yeah, basically just like...
1: So everything is terrible right now, and yeah. it feels like everything is terrible and nothing is good. Um, and
0: that's our episode <laughs> goodbye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to read some books that made me feel just a tiny little bit less like that. Um, so, I proposed to for an episode about books to read when the world is on fire. Um, and so that's what this is. And originally we were saying like books that give us hope, but like sometimes hope is hard right now. So, let's just say like books that give us a little bit of comfort. Uh, so, we each have a list that we're going to share with you. And hopefully, if you're feeling like this right now too, um, maybe one of these can like provide a little bit of balm. Um, so I can start. Um my my first one is fairly obvious, but I think it's obvious for a reason for a lot of us. Um so my first one is uh Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Uh I was I was in a toss-up between Deathly Hallows and Order of the Phoenix. Um so those are both good kind of books for the revolution. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately for me at least like right now it's it's deathly hollows for two reasons um deathly hollows is a fantasy where finally good triumphs and i just need to read a story about that right now um and also, um, uh, we, talked, we talked a couple episodes about a podcast we both love called Witch Please. And Witch Please does a really good analysis of Deathly Hallows where they talk about how it's not so much a story about good over evil. It's a story about community versus fascism.
0: Ooh, um, I like
1: that. And I really like that analysis of it. And I really like that as the opposition that we're framing a lot of things in. And I think it makes sense. And I think... Community is powerful and important, and stories about community make me feel good. And so, I think, like, the real reason that, like, the biggest reason that Deathly Hallows is, like, makes me, is something I like to read when, like, everything feels terrible is because, um, because of the narrative around Dumbledore's army and the occupied Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, this idea about people who are, like, really in a situation where they don't have a lot of power um, under a fascist regime, just, like, doing what they can and having community and eventually being part of the revolution and part of the triumph.
0: And there's something so real about revolutions starting in schools. Yes. Because I do really think that's what we see. Like, I I think about stories of... um, my grandfather, who I found out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, was very involved in the resistance against the Nazi occupation of France. Oh, cool. um, he was living in the south of France at the time, okay. and and I had never heard about this. We found yeah. out because my my cousin found some. Uh, like a, a medal or something like okay. that, and took it to our grandma and was like, "What? Mm-hmm. What, is what is this?" That? And she was like, "Oh, that, cr- like your crazy grandfather running around in the night trying to get himself killed." Um, <laughs> but that was like at eighteen or nineteen. Wow. Um, and I do really think uh, there's something great about having YA books during a time of revolution because that is kind of where the revolution starts. Yeah. Um, yes, this is us calling for revolution. Yes. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, cool. uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. It's my first. My mm-hmm. first pick.
0: Oh, are we alternating? I think so. I think okay. that's nice. Okay. I, I just kind of assumed we were not. I don't. We know. don't have to. I, but um, I have a really bad cold, which you can probably tell from my breathing and my voice, and uh, I'm a little out of it. Um so I I am glad that you like specified books to comfort us because <laughs> I had so much trouble with this and like mm. I um I liked the idea so much when you brought it up, <laughs> Hannah, and I, I liked the concept and like you brought it up. It was kind of right around the Kavanaugh hearings. It and I was, was like, Yes, yeah. we need this. Um <coughs> but I was having a lot of trouble with the idea of hope. That's fair. Uh because like I don't know, maybe just cuz I don't have a hell of a lot of it. Uh but also because I I have been tending to go towards rage yeah, more than fair. hope these days and like well, I could go into very very dark bleak <laughs> places where I was last night. Um but yeah. but I was just having a lot of trouble with that of being mm-hmm. like like how is a book supposed to fix things? Nothing is going to fix things. <laughs> maybe I should just talk about dystopia and how maybe a few people will survive and make a better society, but maybe they won't. Um, however, comforting books I can do, <laughs> and uh, and I have found myself kind of retreating into fantasy more and mm-hmm. like like focusing on uh, smaller things in life, which is something I will mm-hmm. get into with one of these books.
1: Yeah,
0: my first book. Um, is A Ring of Endless Light by Madeline Lengel, which I think is one I've mentioned on the show before. Probably. Everybody's very familiar with the Time Trilogy with A Wrinkle mm-hmm. in Time, especially Wind in the Door, Swiftly Tilting Planet by Madeline Lengel. Mm-hmm. I actually just watched uh, the Wrinkle in Time movie um, oh, this week. Oh, yeah, the I saw you tweeting
1: about it. Yeah, I was
0: thinking we should like watch it and talk about it That's sometime. that great. I um, it. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you want us to do that, let us know. Mhm.
1: Also um the other one uh hate you give is coming out soon. I'm so excited to I watch really
0: that. Really hope I am not in labor the day it comes out <laughs> as I am supposed to be. <laughs> um, uh yeah. anyway, so A Ring of Endless Light is a is slightly lesser known Madeline Lingle book. It's not unknown. It's not one of her like really obscure ones. It's a
1: different it's a different series. It's yes, right?
0: Yeah, so it's part of the Vicky Austin series right. rather than the um uh time trilogy. Um Although they are related. All the families are kind of yes. interconnected. Uh, a Ring of Endless Light deals with Vicki Austin. I think it's the summer she's turning 16 or has just turned 16. Um, and her family is staying at her grandfather's house because her grandfather is dying.
1: Okay,
0: And um, the book deals with grief quite a lot. Mm. Both the death of her grandfather, but it um, begins with, the uh tragic accidental death of a friend of the family okay and so the book you know opens with a funeral and then and then throughout the book there's this kind of grandfather is going to die Mm -hmm. um and there's there's one more uh death that occurs later in the book that's -hmm. really significant um one of the other main characters, Adam Addington, who is one of my favorite people that Madeline Lingle has ever written, he's also mm-hmm. in the Arm of the Starfish. He's just a really good um, protagonist. He is on the island um, just a year after having had a a like very difficult and very tragic summer um, that is in the Arm of the Starfish. Vicky and Adam become friends and um, talk quite a lot about grief, mm-hmm. talk quite a lot about loss. Uh, get to know some dolphins who help them process their grief, which is really lovely. And I've always loved this book. Uh, I love I love Vicky because she feels a lot like me. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teenager, she's a poet, and she sort of considers herself to be much older and more mature than than peers. Mm-hmm. I think Madeline Langle sometimes falls into a little bit of a trap of writing her protagonists older uh, mm-hmm. than they than they should be, but. It's just very, very quiet and very introspective and mm. also very beautiful and has a lot of of healing through poetry and healing through art and uh, good relationships with adults, like, between, between children and adults. Um, mm. Oh, and she also has her friend Zachary Gray, who's a recurring character, who's another fascinating character, and he has a... Um, both a death wish and a heart condition, okay. and so and he adds a, a really interesting angle in mm-hmm. of all these people who are mourning and grieving and fearing losing people, and mm-hmm. then having this young man who just hates his life, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 anyway, wow! Giving a full plot synopsis, it's a very good book, and I love it very much, and mm-hmm. I've read it many times, um, and I like to read it for comfort because it gives. A lot of the kind of nurturing that I look for in my life Mm -hmm. so things like poetry and being outside Mm -hmm. being by the ocean interacting with animals interacting with nature interacting with children Mm -hmm. Um, the sort of little things which I think is where where Lengel really shines as an author is bringing out the the little things that we kind of take for granted Mm. and really giving them their due so I I like it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it it gives me um, comfort and it makes me miss the beach a lot. Um and it's A Ring of Endless Light by Madeline Lingle. Yeah.
1: I like that angle <laughs> on comfort reading because I think I think right now, like a lot of the comfort reading I've been doing is like stuff about the revol- like about revolution. Um but like I like I don't know, I think it's also important to like make space for like just, you know, reading things that are gentle and good and and in a world that is maybe more gentle and more yeah. good.
0: Well, I was finding that I I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to come up with books about the revolution, mm. and I was also just feeling like that's not what I want to read right now. <laughs> like that's, that's fair. Yeah, like I I get that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I do think there's also an importance when there are issues that are like frankly beyond us. Like at this point, oh, yeah. we're talking about fascist governments. Which take the guise of democracy, but, like, there's very little we as individuals can do, and that's terrifying. Yep. Um, (laughs) But what we can do is take care of each other. Yes. And, you know, maybe we can't make a huge global difference, because we probably can't, because, like, we can't turn back climate change without... um, businesses cooperating like our 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 reusable mugs do nothing Mm -hmm. um we can't you know we can't change the political climate because it's very clearly a situation where politics are going to do what they want to do despite the will of the people Mm -hmm. and that's bleak but we can take care of each other and we can kind of narrow and localize our scope um and it's okay to do that i think sometimes people need to know that it's okay to do that
1: yeah absolutely
0: um i know i do sometimes i need to know Mm -hmm. that it's okay for me not to like wear myself out with anger yeah Um, yeah
1: and just like focus on the manageable yeah 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 it's like can i be not racist
0: okay yeah (laughs) like i can work on that
1: (laughs) um Mm -hmm. yeah 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 I mean, and it also makes <laughs> this episode balanced because we, we we have things for a wide variety of, of comfort styles. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So my second one is, um, so I promise that at some point, maybe I will stop talking about Tamara Pierce, but today is not that day. Okay. Um, but I have good reasons, I promise. Um, so my second one, uh, and I was like, trying to maybe think of something else but i was like no this i have good reasons so my second one is lady knight by tamara pierce um and it is the fourth book sorry (laughs) um uh in the protector of the small quartet and so it is about so cal is has just earned her shield and she is a lady knight um and there's a there's a war on and so she is given command of a refugee camp Um. And so, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff around that. But uh, but so she's given command of a refugee camp and then um, it gets attacked and raided and most of the refugees get kidnapped. And she is given orders to let them go because it's not worth the resources to go after them. Um, and big surprise, she goes rogue. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I really like about this story. Um, a lot of it is about, um, like, disempowered people taking power and empowering themselves. Um, but the one of the big reasons that I really like this story is because of two male characters, which is not usually a reason that I like stories. Um, but there, are, there are two characters that just, like, provide a really, like, Hopeful vision of people with a lot of power and privilege. Um, because there's two characters who like have a ton of power and privilege, and they use that power and privilege to um protect and support someone without a lot of power and privilege who is breaking the rules to do the right thing. Um, and that's just like something that gives me a lot of hope, um, yeah. like always, but especially right now,
0: yeah.
1: Um so, so that's why I really like that book. And that's why I reread that book last week.
0: Was that what inspired uh, this idea for you?
1: Um, a little bit. I think I was, I, I was looking for books to read along because like I was looking for books to read to comfort me. And I was like, I want to read, I want to read Lady Night. Yeah. And I went and out of the library. And so I was, I was, I was doing that project for myself. And then I was like, we should make an episode about this. Yeah.
0: Sure. So my second book is uh, I I almost I almost didn't include it because I feel like come on Taffer. like you can't just like I feel like it's like it's so off topic come on but it is one of my very favorite books mm-hmm. and I think I've actually I know I've talked about it to you but I okay. think I have never actually talked about it on the podcast okay um, now this is a book that I found in high school in the library. Probably the later end of high school because it was while the library was under renovations. Um, And I remember, I remember pulling this book off the shelf. And Mm -hmm. it was one of those ones that I started reading in the stacks and I think read kind of half of it before I checked it out and brought it home. Oh, that's great. Just like standing in the stacks. Those
1: are the best books.
0: Um, It's called Scrambled Eggs at Midnight. It's uh, written by two authors in alternating voices by Brad Barkley and Heather Helper who are not authors I've heard of in any other context. Um, so I read this book in high school, and it I think I read it and reread it. It made a really big impression on me. And mm-hmm. then I lost track of it for years, as happens sometimes with library books. You know, I moved out of the town. And um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then I was at the Salvation Army. There's like a huge Salvation Army on Notre Dame Street, Um in Saint, it's not in Saint Henry, is it? It's in. Uh,
1: uh, it's probably technically a little Burgundy. Yeah,
0: yeah, and um, in Montreal.
1: Yeah.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. And I was wandering through the stacks, and I found this book, and I was like, "What?" Um, and it was just such a nice, like little serendipitous little thing mm-hmm. and so I was like I'm gonna see if I still love this book mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did mm-hmm. and I, I in fact love it even more now than I did as a teenager oh, that's great um so it's written in alternating voices and it is kind of your typical YA romance you know mm-hmm. something something that's kind of like a Sarah Dessen. I like the alternating voices thing a lot I like yeah. when authors do that um mm-hmm. and it's about two teenagers. The girl's name is Cal. She's Calliope. I don't remember, um, the guy's name right now. I think it starts with a T. Uh, (laughs) but they meet one summer, um, because they're in the same town and, you know, become Mm -hmm. friends and then become dating because that happens in these books. But, um, they're, they're, relationship is really special, their dynamic is really special. What mm-hmm. spoke to me like very much in um, when I was a teenager is that uh the guy's family runs a um a Christian fat camp oh. in the mountains in North Carolina. And uh, and his dad really has kind of made a business out of it. Okay. And um and it was the first book I'd encountered that like dealt with kind of businessy evangelicalism Mm, Um, and like making Jesus into a brand and of course it was something I had seen a lot Um, and same with like connecting Jesus with weight loss which is like this bizarre phenomenon especially in evangelical Christianity that I would love to like read a paper on <laughs> someday um but it was really it was really neat because like you don't see a lot of like you see secondary characters who are christian in ya books mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of primary characters unless they're like explicitly christian books
1: that's true um i don't know that i've ever yeah read a <laughs> book with like a strongly christian protagonist maybe uh, yeah. like books written like 30 40 years ago but not but invemory. like with,
0: with grappling with christianity being a driving part of the plot That's very interesting. that was so exciting to me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then cal's mom is a single mom who kind of um they move from place to place and yeah you know uh, she just wants like a home base right um -hmm. and we become friends but there's really this strong storyline in it not just for the kids but also for their moms of um like grappling with power dynamics and you sort of get this like owning yourself and making your own choices both on an adult level and on a on a kid level so i am coming around to the part where this is comforting (laughs) um i find it comforting in part because of what we were talking about before because Mm -hmm. when i feel overwhelmed by the great evils that are going on Mm -hmm. um it is very helpful for me to draw back a narrow scope and look Mm. at the people that we immediately affect you can think about in this book institutionalized evangelicalism as a problem and it's huge, mm-hmm. you know, it's real bad. Yeah. It's real bad. But you can look at the story of how one family deals with it and how a yeah. couple of people get away from it or address mm-hmm. it or approach it and you know, that's important too. <laughs> like
1: Yeah. It's
0: it's good for me to be reminded that even if I don't make a worldwide change because I can't. Mhm. Um, it is possible that enough people doing their small acts of resistance will get there.
1: I really like that. Yeah. Um, and that's actually, that's very similar to my next one. All right. Let's hear Um, about your next one. So my next one is one that I had never read before, before last week. I, um, I knew that I, well, this is once we had suggested the, the podcast, but I also was looking for this for myself. So I was kind of browsing lists of books on topics that I thought might be relevant, and I saw this one, and I think I'd heard of it before, so I was like, okay, the library has it. I'm going to read it. Uh, So this book is Moxie by Jennifer Mathieu. Uh, Have you... I don't... I haven't okay. ever
0: read it. I think I've heard of it, Yeah, i never read it. It
1: was published, I think, a year and a bit ago, maybe? Then I probably haven't um, heard of it. It just came out <laughs> in paperback, I know. Okay. So I think it was probably published about a year ago. Uh, so it's about a girl, um, it's about a girl named Vivian, who lives in, like, a rural small town, Texas. Um, and her town, but especially her high school, are just, like, steep, in rage, cult- rape culture and toxic masculinity and, and an old boys club mentality. Um, and so she, at the start of the book, she's someone who, you know, has kind of flown under the radar, just, like, is just going to get through it and get out sort of thing. Um, and then one day she kind of just, like, has had enough and doesn't feel like she can do that anymore. And so her mother... Uh, was a riot girl in the 90s and so she has kind of she has heard the stories and she has seen like her mom's collection of memorabilia so one day she's just like so fed up and she can't take it anymore and one of the things that I think is really beautiful about how this setup happens is I think a lot of what drives her finally taking this is like seeing something shitty happen to another girl and not doing anything about it Mm -hmm. and like wanting to but not managing to bring herself to. Um and so she makes this zine, and not it's that's how you say that word, right? Yeah. Okay. I always want to say zine, but I'm pretty sure it's zine.
0: Because it's magazine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um My God, the amount of time we spend on this show talking about the pronunciation of words <laughs> that we should know how to pronounce.
1: It's just like our cute little thing, okay? <laughs> okay. okay. <Very> cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> so she um So she makes this scene, and she distributes it anonymously at her school. Um, And then a few weeks later, she makes another one based on another incident. And then it kind of just snowballs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this, like, this community starts being built between the girls at this school and sort of across the different divides that exist among them. And then other people, so she calls the zine moxie and then other people sort of start taking the moxie label and doing other things with it um and it's just this really beautiful story about um girls supporting each other and finding community and and demanding to be heard Mm -hmm. um and and it's really really lovely and like it's also it's a much smaller scale I think story that's similar to to what we were talking about with Deathly Hallows, like the community versus fascism model, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just really lovely. And there's lots of incredible secondary characters, and um, I think one of the things that I love the most about it is this is a movement that like Vivian starts, right. but at every step and especially in the climax, um, it's. Other people bring it a step up. Yeah. Um, And so I love that idea of, like, one person planting the seed and another person building on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that's really, really important. Like, that idea that you don't have to do it all alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, like, the revolution is a community effort. And, And also, but also that idea of what you were talking about of, like, there's probably nothing we can do individually about like global misogyny yeah um or global any you know oppressive power structure but like we might be able to do something in our own microcosm Mm -hmm. um and so this this book is a really lovely and hopeful example of that
0: Is that Moxie with a Y or with an IE? It's with an IE. Okay, I want to look it up. I I am kind of overwhelmed by the idea that Riot Girls now have teenagers. Um, (laughs) Because, like, I'm the youngest of a lot of kids, so the Riot Girl uh, uh, generation is, like, my older siblings. (laughs) Um, But I, like, I was really into Riot Girl culture as a teenager, even though I was, like, 10 or 15 years too late for it. And it sounds really... Interesting. Yeah, and it's very yeah. cool.
1: And it very much is like her kind of picking up this brand and being inspired by these women mm-hmm. 15, 20 years before her. And it's also really beautiful because it does touch on the ways in which the Riot Girl movement failed, like the ways in mm-hmm. which it's steeped in whiteness. Mm-hmm. And it talks about... And so like in, in her own 17-year-old way, she's trying to be better than that. Excuse me. Um, and she's trying to, to do... To bring it a step forward and and be be intersectional in ways yeah. that the riot girls weren't, and so I really love that it deals with that also because I was a little bit I was a little bit nervous when I picked up this book that it was going to be very white feminism, yeah. Yeah. and it's very much intentional about not being.
0: That's great. Um, That's good to hear,
1: which I really like. I uh, I think the protagonist really starts out that way, but she like hears people telling her that mm-hmm. and makes intentional like moves to not be
0: yeah i'm really glad that it that it like interacts with that that's, yeah that's um,
1: good there's also so there's one scene that i just that i just adore um where basically like a lo- like ha- a large portion of the girls in this high school just organize and have this like all girls secret dance party um it's really fun. and they just sort of like talk about like this incredible safe space that they build together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's just like a really lovely picture yeah yeah that sounds really great yeah Yeah. anyways it's a it's a tender book and it's a book that yeah that gave me a lot of comfort
0: good yeah I want to look that up yeah um so my third entry here is a series okay it's a long series I think it's like seven or nine books oh wow um and it, it calls back to last week's discussion of shit books, because <laughs> I mentioned these books last week, and discovered that they are available in full, all of them, on the Scribd app, which is an ebook app that we both use. Mm-hmm. Scribd, if you guys wanna, you know,
1: sponsor us. Sponsor
0: us. We're wide open here. We should tweet some out other them. some other ebook app if you wanna <laughs> swoop in and nab us. <laughs> Will accept a free subscription. Anyway, <clears throat> so I discovered that they are available in full on Scribd, mm-hmm. which I already have installed on my phone, so it's convenient. And um, they're the Jackie Faber books okay. by L.A. Meyer. Um,. I also found out that L.A. Meyer died a few years ago, which made me really sad because I suddenly realized that I had kind of always had in my mind, like, on my bucket list, someday I will meet L.A. Meyer and talk with him about these books. And I was a little disappointed to find I'm out that that's not an option. Um, L.A. Meyer was a, um, a naval officer, in fact, and kind of a casual historian, and then I think like as a retirement project, wrote these books. That's great. And they're wonderful. So... The first one is called Bloody Jack. Um, I am currently reading through it. It's, uh, I'm actually, I think I maybe just finished it. But okay. being an uh, where did the cover go? Sorry. <laughs> I want to read you the title because I think it's really cute. Bloody Jack, being an account of the curious adventures of Mary Jackie Faber, ship's boy.
1: <laughs> and, um. That's Mary with an E? Uh.
0: Mary, no, Mary with a Y. Okay. Mary and then, like, in quotation marks, Jackie Faber. Okay. Yeah. So uh, these books follow Jackie Faber. She she starts going by Jackie Mm -hmm. and she stays with that. Um, She is an orphan in London in Mm -hmm. the late 1700s. And so it's right around the turn of the... uh, of the 19th, 19th century. century. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Napoleonic Wars, uh, yeah. post-American Revolution, but not very far past. So, mm-hmm. like, third act of Hamilton era. Okay. And, um, <laughs> I think, maybe second act of Hamilton era. Anyway. And she's an orphan in London mm-hmm. who pretends to be a boy to uh, get passage on a ship because she's okay. going to have a better life on board a Navy ship than, yeah. than she'll have in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um So it starts with that. The first book is her being a ship's boy. And then she has all these adventures (laughs) all over the world in all kinds of different ways and places. And they, the later books especially have some like serious, serious historical, uh, um, aberrations, (laughs) but the early ones are really good. And, Mm -hmm. uh, (coughs) excuse me, what I love and what I find comforting about them Mm -hmm. and what I've really enjoyed this week, reading it. Um, La Meyer does not shy away from things being really shitty for children mm. in the late 1700s. Okay. Um, and Jackie is a protagonist who has a great deal of trauma. Okay. She carries a lot of trauma from her childhood. Mm-hmm. She collects more trauma because she is like in the navy during the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. Like, there's, um, I mean, I think this is what, maybe one of the places where La Meyer being a naval officer in the past, like, like. Mm -hmm. adds to this experience but it really is she's a child who goes to war and and ends up taking on trauma you know she Mm -hmm. she does get abused by people she does get assaulted by people Mm -hmm. and um and she doesn't just brush it off she's not just like a plucky heroine who's like yay like very clearly has ptsd very clearly struggles with mental health somehow nonetheless, despite being books that really, really deal with trauma and really deal with mental health, they are so hopeful. Hmm. And she is always so optimistic about what she's going to do. So I had forgotten that at the very beginning of the series, when she is an orphan living with other orphans under a bridge, she says, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to sea. I'm going to be a sailor. I'm going to have a naval company. I'm going to get super rich. And I'm going to start a home for orphans so that nobody has to live like, like we do. And by the end of the series she has done all those things.
1: Oh that's great.
0: And I had forgotten that it like well, that, that that was that. there from the very that, that's beginning.
1: Set up at the very beginning. Um,
0: and she I feel really kind of like turns the like tomboy dresses as a boy trope on its mm-hmm. head. Hmm. Because she does that very much out of necessity. When she is, you know, disguising herself as a boy for extended periods of time, she talks about really missing living openly as a girl mm. and, like, wishing, like, what she wants is to eventually be able to retire and have a cottage and have some kids and, like, yes. like live this domesticity. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also able to do all these incredible things. Yeah. But there's just something really lovely about having a series. I mean, A, it's just, like it's a romp and you can just like go into this fantasy historical world and forget about things for a little while but like it's also just so emotionally complex Mm -hmm. and it's really wonderful to have a book that has somebody who is optimistic and hopeful despite basically everything (laughs) constantly going wrong yeah um so yeah they're just they're really really good there are, I cannot remember if there are seven or nine of them, but That's fine. There are many. <laughs> um, there's a large number. If you if you look up LA Meyer or Jackie Faber, mm-hmm. you'll be able to find them and uh they're really worth kinda sinking
1: into. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah. That sounds like like something that I, I should read soon. Yeah.
0: There's like there's like there are problematic things oh, yeah. in it.
1: I mean and there have been in um, all of the ones I've mentioned too.
0: Yeah, the, especially like Especially a lot of racially problematic stuff. There's yeah. a lot of like, oh, I don't know about that stereotype. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but not so much in the first one. That okay. That's kind of in the later
1: one. Emerges later, yeah. yeah. So my last one is, I wasn't sure if we were going to do three or four. So my last one is like kind of an honorary mention. Because uh, it's not actually a YA book, but Teffer told me this was fine. Um, it's really lovely. And I think it... It shares, to me, a lot of, like, aspects of YA lit because it's very, like, hopeful and cozy. Mm-hmm. Um, not that all YA is cozy, but a lot... Well, we've talked about this, how, like, hopefulness is mm-hmm. what we see as kind of a hallmark of YA often. Yes. Um. Yeah. And so this book is a book that I adore. Uh, I read it for the first time last winter and have probably read it, like, four times since um and it is uh the long way to a small angry planet by becky chambers um so it is a uh it is like a future-based sci-fi so it takes place you you don't you have no idea how many years it takes place like ahead of the present because they're using a different numbering system um but it takes place um, in a world where humans have mostly left Earth, although Earth is kind of being rehabilitated, and have, um, well, been found by, I think is the better term, all of the other uh, like species of sapient creatures that live in various parts of the galaxy um and so the book centers around the crew of a long-haul spaceship Mm -hmm. uh who their their job what their ship does is create wormholes um but so it's they're basically it's the crew of a long-haul spaceship that is on a a mission that's going to take them basically a year to get out to this far reaches of the galaxy and it's just it's basically just a book about this small enclosed community aboard this ship i think there's about 10 people Um, and, and it's about friendships and conflict and like, loving the people you're surrounded by, even Mm -hmm. if you don't like them. And, um, and it's just really beautiful Mm -hmm. and tender. And there's a lot of really beautiful tender stories. And there are a couple of really sweet, uh, like romantic plot lines, but it is mostly just a book about friendship and community. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I just really love that because it's so rare to find a book where that is the main focus. Yeah. Um, and so I really like that and, and I like that it balances like the fact that like the world is still not great with, with hope and community and... And that sort of thing, um, and there are sad things that happen, but mm-hmm. it's it's a hopeful book, and it's a book about community, and another thing that I really adore is that there is this, like, pure and wonderful friendship between a male and a female character who are both, like, straight-coated, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a purely platonic friendship, and it yeah. is such a lovely friendship. That's um, always nice, too and and there's queerness and there's like and it's just it's just lovely um it's lovely and it's tender and yeah it like it's very much a book that I read when I need like bomb for my soul right nice (laughs) yeah so that's uh The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers
0: I, I didn't come up with a fourth one, but oh, that's okay. I might ad lib one if that's okay. Yeah, I yeah. I thought
1: you said you had four. No, you I, said you thought I said you I had four, four, and then I said and I had then, three, and then and then I yeah. forgot that. Well, Sorry. I was coming
0: up with it last night. I was like, yeah, I was like me <laughs> mostly, and sort of like there is no hope. Um, that's fair. oddly enough. So we we mentioned earlier, like. Or I mentioned that Mm -hmm. I was thinking a little bit about our conversation around Station 11. Yeah. Which I feel like I do have to issue a little bit of an apology for that um, (laughs) episode because I was very angry. You were. And uh, (laughs) that book has really stuck with me. Yeah, So, like, I, I think that despite me being mad about reading it, I've got to revise my initial my initial take on it uh it's a very good book yeah and Um, we're allowed to do that about (laughs) books yeah so howard i'm sorry for blasting your pick (laughs) Um, it's a very good book i think it got me on a bad week um Mm -hmm. anyway that's not my fourth pick though uh (laughs) just thinking about dystopia Mm. and thinking i didn't want to talk about hunger games because we've talked about hunger games a lot we have on this hunger games i think falls into the category of of Oh, You know, hopeful Hopeful but,
1: books about the revolution
0: Yeah, but I'm actually thinking about The Uglies series by Scott oh. Westerfeld Which I think we're going to talk about At some point in depth Absolutely, We've talked yeah. about about doing that Because um, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful series It's, it's great. really, really good I've been sort of thinking about Slash trying not to think about Extinction events And the oh. world ending mm-hmm. um, And I actually find The ugly series really encouraging because like yes it is a dystopia (laughs) um but it's a dystopia that is built on the ideas of being ecologically kind yeah um the the whole way they live is based on making as small a footprint as they can on the planet Mm -hmm. and giving the planet time to recover um and I, I kind of love that idea. I mean, a I love the the idea of humans not going totally extinct, maybe mm-hmm. just going mostly extinct. Um, yeah. But this idea of kind of being like, yeah, we uh, we fucked up the planet, and now we're gonna try to like make amends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and obviously, like there are there are problems with the society. The books are so 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 good, and you should really read them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're great. But I like reading dystopias and seeing like, like maybe we'll make it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe humanity will make it.
1: That that is definitely why I like reading sci-fi at times. Yeah. Like that's part of why the the long way um, is comforting to me too. It's like, yeah, like maybe maybe there's a way out of this that doesn't end in total destruction.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why I, I was thinking partly about Station Eleven because Station yeah. Eleven both has the really horrifying extinction event, mm-hmm. and you see how horrible that is. Yes, yeah. Um, which I think is one of the things that I had a lot of trouble with emotionally with that yeah. book.
1: Well, it, it's very bleak um, and yeah. very upfront about how awful this is. <laughs> but you do see hope
0: for a new way of living. Mm-hmm. That is community-based. That yeah, is absolutely. when when so- one of the things about living... In a time when everything's going to shit structurally, mm-hmm. when we're seeing our economic systems fail and we're seeing our political systems fail, we're seeing we're seeing religious structures fail, we're seeing social structures fail. Um, but I do feel like there really has started to be more of a focus on community and on yeah. interaction. You know, we see like, okay, Roe versus Wade might get overturned, and you see healthcare practitioners making plans to say okay how are we going to take care of women's health mm-hmm. how are how are and i mean i'm not naming any names or any organizations but i know some people who who do that work yeah and are planning um yeah. of how are we going to take care of these people
1: yeah um, um and and like you 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 saw it in uh in ontario after uh after the the health curriculum right. was repealed there was lots of kind of guerrilla sex ed work being planned and I think that is being carried out by educationers and healthcare practitioners to make sure yeah like like the community taking care of itself when when the government won't yeah and that's like that's hopeful yeah I think I think
0: people are starting to realize that we can't depend on big structures yeah we have to depend on each other yeah we have to be there for each other um and that's, you know, that's hopeful. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think, what I mean by kind of narrowing scope, because I'm certainly mm-hmm. not somebody who doesn't care.
1: No.
0: I'm certainly not somebody who's going like, oh, oh, oh. Um, but I'm also like, I have kids. Well, I almost have kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to just kind of give up on everything yeah. when you're also raising kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah yeah
0: Yeah. and that's why I mean I think that's why YA fiction does write into hope because
1: yeah you're raising kids it's it's so hard to to find that balance between caring and uh and not being totally consumed Mm -hmm. by by caring Mm -hmm. um and it's, it's important work and i think i think books like the ones that we've talked about can help us do that work in different ways. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: to both remember that we don't have to do everything and also remember that we can do something.
1: Yeah, that's a really good um, way of putting it. So, i hope that whether it's one of these books or something else, you find something to read that that is a little bit of balm for your soul this week. Mhm um yeah yeah um a couple of notes just kind of housekeeping
0: that we need to go over oh yes uh one is just a little note it was national coming out day yesterday yes and um we did not do anything about that this week but next week we will be having quite a big conversation around coming out and what Mm -hmm. that means yeah Uh, we're going to be reviewing Nick Stone's book, Odd One Out, mm-hmm. um, which is so good. We have a great guest joining us. Yes. Uh, it's going to be a really fun episode. Mm-hmm. The other housekeeping note is that, as we have alluded to several times over the past few episodes, I am very pregnant.
1: Uh-huh. The pregnant um, I,
0: am, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm probably going to get pregnant her before I get less pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that's um, I am in the, like, I am at term, so I could mm-hmm. have a baby at any point over Mm -hmm. the next few weeks we've decided because hannah also has exams coming up and it's just kind of a a busy time for both of us yeah uh when i have the baby we're going to take a a hiatus yeah um probably not more than like a month but yeah um we will keep you all updated on Mm -hmm. that
1: we'll be on the twitters
0: we'll be on the twitters probably after the baby is born we'll give you like a quick little update of some sort yeah um so, anyway, if at any point there's, like, an interruption in our regularly scheduled programming, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we will let you know what that's going to look like once we have a better idea of what that's going to look like. There's just yeah. a lot of kind of unpredictable factors. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah it's like babies don't follow, like, district strict schedule or something.
0: Oh, God. The, the unpredictability is driving me crazy. I, I hate not knowing what day I am going to go into labor. I hate it so much. Yeah, that's, that's <sighs> fair. I hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to have a baby. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast yeah and individually at TeferBear and at the Balesosaurus. If you like the show and want to help us make it
0: even better consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shout-outs, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash to donate. We also have, a uh, merch for sale on TeePublic. Um... And it's currently on sale from October 10th to the 14th. So when this episode comes out, there will be two more days left of that sale. Or no, two more days? Because it's coming out tomorrow. So it's coming out on the 13th. Oh, right. Okay, I thought it was the 13th today. The sale runs to the 14th. (laughs) Sorry. So there will be two
1: more days. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting
0: us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at
1: greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. you ever wonder if picking your own name for Secret Santa and then buying yourself a gift makes you a sociopath? Or if everything is everything, then how much of everything is there? Or what exactly a Mo'guana is? Well, that one's just a way of saying more iguana. Or maybe you wonder what the death of a friendship over the course of 50 episodes sounds like. Whatever your questions, you can find the answers and also more questions on Lasers on the Ride podcast. Now a member of the Upford Network. Available wherever you usually get your podcasts.
0: Topics of High Importance, a podcast where we get high and explore food, science, gaming, pop culture, and beyond. Filled with super tangents, forgetful flubs, and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple. Topics of High Importance on the Upford Network. Join us, won't you?